Greetings, Six Centers. Some of you may find the language in this episode offensive. Listener's discretion is strongly advised. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information. I just need some information. I've been dying. I've been dying. Is it lack of education? I've been reading. I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. Is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the successful The successful Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Man, got a few extra listeners on this title. (laughs) Yes, yes, porn and poutine. So, Mr. Uh, Wise Man, what's with the title? Why don't you break it down for the listener? Yeah, so porn and poutine, what we'll be talking about is Pornhub. And I didn't know this, but um, its headquarters is in Montreal. A home of poutine. Home of poutine. (laughs) Right? And I I can already see some people seeing this popping up in their um, news feeds. Porn and poutine. These are a few of my favorite things. It's like... Uh, Don't tell Tyra that one. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's crazy because people are going to be like, okay, I'm listening. Uh, who don't usually listen. So welcome new listeners uh, and um, you're in for a edifying time. Hopefully we have your attention. Hopefully. Yeah. Right. Um, so basically the New York Times columnist Nicholas Kristoff reported that Pornhub was monetizing videos featuring child rapes, revenge pornography, spy cam videos of women showering, racist and misogynist content, and footage of women being asphyxiated in plastic bags. Uh, The fallout was swift, and within days, both MasterCard and Visa stopped processing payments from the adult streaming site following the internal reviews. Pornhub responded by saying it would bar unverified users from unloading or sorry uploading and downloading content from the site in a more sweeping action that followed it um then it said it would suspend all videos on its site that were not uploaded by its content partners or verified performers um purging nearly two-thirds of its site's uploads yeah so i mean it's it's a pretty interesting i mean if you think about it they've cut like 10 million videos yeah so it's it's going to be a a controversial one Uh, for those of you who um this will be your warning before we go in um we're going to try to make this a stumble free episode so there will be no uh name dropping or Uh, explicit content uh well no well no well i mean we (laughs) We just talked about asphyxiation and all that other stuff but but we won't be uh name dropping any adult stars Right, because you know how that goes when you're listening to a podcast. You're like, "Who? Let me Google that real quick." Uh oh. Right, so we <laughs> don't, don't be googling no those names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Work, yeah. Okay? yeah Who's yeah, this guy so, talking about? Yeah, so we're oh. not. Yeah, there was gonna be no name dropping in this episode. So, um, yeah, and I, and if if there's any of this bothers you, then um, you've been warned. And um, yeah, yeah. What what I find a little bit um interesting just is um. You know, the announcement that, so I have an article from PC Mag, um, sort of covering the topic. And what's kind of interesting is there's a, in the article, they have a, a tweet from like Pornhub area. 
I don't know what that means. Like maybe it's their like, they're like, you know, dis- disclosures or press release web uh, version of, of whatever the, the Twitter handle. The There's a quote that says, you know, the new verified uploaders con- requirement. This means that every piece of Pornhub content is, ver- is a, from verified uploaders, a requirement that platforms like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, and Twitter have yet to institute. So like, it seems like they're trying to present themselves as somehow post this problem. They're, they're like the leaders. Um, so, um, yeah, it was just, I was, I was surprised when I read that. So again, I'll have, uh, some articles from vice, uh, New York times, this PC hub for sorry, PC mag in, um, in the show notes page for, for you to do some, you know, reading that is, uh, let's say safe for work reading. Um, although, you know, maybe you should be working if you're at work. Yeah. Uh, okay. So to let the listeners know the direction we'll be going in. Uh, so we're going to be looking at, is there a difference between pornography and rape? Uh, and then the next thing we're going to be looking at is, uh, an economic aspect of, um, what is a monopoly and what is antitrust law. And then looking at the Canadian aspect, why does Canada host a company that inflicts rape videos on the world and this is a quote from from the um from the article and then lastly we'll look at solutions okay so with that said uh, let's look at is there a difference between pornography and rape Uh, because the author notes that um there is a difference so this article which is which talks about Pornhub mainly he tells stories of uh young girls who ended up on the website because they recorded themselves naked and passed the videos on to some boys they liked at school. And then the boys passed it on and then the videos ended up on Pornhub. Now what's crazy is that every time they tried to take it down, it always got re-uploaded. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the content is basically you know, telling these stories, but also showing um, how Pornhub kind of acts as a trafficker of pornography and sex trafficking and, and promoting rape. But the one of the key arguments, and I think that kind of anchors this discussion in this article, is he makes a distinction between rape and pornography. And he, he, he makes a comment along the lines of, can we be sex positive and rape negative yeah it's an i mean it's an interesting question i mean obviously you know you can sort of you know what is the definition or i think it was or or pornography no rape negative i think it was yeah yeah being sex positive and and rape negative right i mean what he's what i think what he's trying to get at is like is being sex positive have consequences right and so he's asking the question how do we strike the balance um as as a culture because obviously our culture has become very much um you know, sex positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the key thing is what we want to do is make sure that we're defining our terms. And so we want to define what is pornography. And so the Bible makes reference to pornography as it relates to uh, sexual immorality. Um, and I think you have a definition of that. John. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 you know, the Bible doesn't obviously use the word pornography, the root word being pornea. Um, the, the, I'll say the general definition um, being illicit sexual intercourse or activity 
um, from a biblical perspective. So this is from BibleStudyTools.com. And specifically, it's in sort of a King James Version, New Testament, Greek lexicon. So the definitions include adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, sexual intercourse with a close relative, intercourse with a divorced man or woman. Um, and so from a biblical perspective, it's using a, essentially it would include anything that is, you know, deemed outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. Um, and then what's the secular definition? Um, secular definition would probably in a general sense fall under prostitution. Um, hmm, that's interesting. Like, you know, culturally, I think, you know, they're not to say that that's a broad speaking perspective, you know, um, me being a little bit more libertarian leanings, I'd have some pushback against that, but you know, the def the terminology of illicit sexual activity arguably is a very subjective term. Like everybody could have a different line in the sand of what's appropriate and what's inappropriate, um, depending on what you're using as your moral standard to, to identify. So, you know, when you, as Christians, when we use the Bible, it, it seems pretty clear where that line is between appropriate and inappropriate for sexual content or sexual activity. Uh, he says that the issue is not pornography, but rape. Let's agree that promoting assaults on children or on anyone without consent is unacceptable. The problem with Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein or Jeffrey Epstein was not that was not the sex, but the lack of consent. And so it is with Pornhub. So going forward, I think that that making sure that we define what what the term pornography means is going to mean a lot in how we find or how we look to solutions to the problem. So for example, for me personally, I would give the definition of, of pornography as out of context, sex, out of context, sex, according to the biblical definition. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you're talking about, you know, if you're using pornography as a, you know, as a reference to, for, for a Christian, as a reference to what, you know, leads to lust or what leads to wandering eyes or what, you know, is going to uh, lead to temptation, you know, you're going to use a definition vastly beyond what, what people would think of, right? I mean, women in very small bikinis could qualify based on, you know, the way that I previously was referring to it. And so, yeah, it's, it's important to, to make sure we find the guidelines, but it's also important to make sure, um, we're identifying what we're talking about, what we're not talking about. Right. So in the sense of, in the conversation about pornography, appropriate, inappropriate, you know, um, the idea of this, um, you know, mind geek or, or Pornhub, you know, their the content that they have, you know, we're speaking about it in a particular manner with regards to legality, and we're speaking about um, appropriateness from a culture yeah. perspective. Yeah, and 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 to be clear, what I'm saying is that, or what I'm arguing is that, um, pornography um, gives way to rape, and that, um, like I said, um, out of context sex. Yeah, I think so. I, I wouldn't separate the two, so I would disagree with him. I like where he's kind of parsing it. I'm just like, no. One yeah. Leads to the so, other. what would be the logical like for you? Because I mean, many listeners sort of, you know, whether they're if they're not Christian or if they're, um, you know, they would say, "Well, I don't see a problem with porn." 
So how are you drawing the, con- the the connection between porn and rape? Porn and rape. Uh, I, I would say that um, sin is progressive. That's theolo- That's the theological. But then the medical is that the dopamine in the brain um, eventually um, the eventually you become um, the word is uh, desensitized to what is getting you aroused and you want to get more. So then you become more depraved or you look for more deeper, um, deeper, uh, what's the word graphic or more graphic content, uh, to get you aroused. So then you kind of go down a deeper, um, go down into a deeper well in regards to looking for content that is a lot more graphic. Um, so like, you know, you can go from, one extreme to the the other without getting too explicit but um but yeah you would eventually be desensitized to the rape and, and get to actually liking rape or whatever other fetishes are out there yeah i mean the, you know the progressive nature of of pornography addiction to some extent and I, there's I, I wish i had i couldn't i haven't been able to find it um i remember seeing years ago an interview uh, on darnell i don't know if you've seen this I want to say with like a serial killer or serial rapist. Um, I think I want yes, to say it was like yes. focus on the family. Yes. Or, um, I don't remember. His, he was basically talk, Jeffrey Dahmer. I think it was. Yeah. Speaking about his secret. And, and so I'll try yeah. and find it and put in the show notes page yeah. if I can find it. And like, and like he, I think he used to take like roadkill and then uh, he'd find roadkill on the road, take it home and then masturbate on it. Yeah. yeah well, like, like that. I think the one, the one I'm thinking of, and I don't know, maybe it's the same, maybe it's different, but like was that this guy was, you know, pornography was like his secret that that essentially he felt like led him um you know continually to progress into wanting to do more perverse things um and and in that sense um that's where i think you're drawing the connection and it's it's not that you know one let's call it one item of pornography inherently means rape or leads to rape it's that um the culture of pornography of being in a you know from a biblical perspective uh, entertaining illicit sexual content um and and inappropriate um arousal um has has consequences yeah and yeah, so and and arguably um those consequences include um a greater prevalence of of rape yeah so things eventually get worse mm-hmm. yeah it's that insati- insatiable appetite for sin so, yeah. Now, looking at the economic aspect of this, uh, we see that uh, he says Pornhub is owned by MindGeek, a private pornography conglomerate with more than 100 websites, production companies, and brands. Its sites include RedTube, UPorn, XTube, SpankWire, ExtremeTube, Men.com, My Dirty Hobby. Thumbzilla, PornMD, Brazers, and GayTube. There are other major players in the porn um, outside of MindGeek, uh, the MindGeek umbrella, most notably XHamster, XVideos, um, but MindGeek is a porn titan. Um, if, it op- if it operated in another industry, uh, the Justice Department could be discussing an antitrust case against it. So here's the question: um, What what is an antitrust law, Joel? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's funny. I was uh, there's an episode with uh, so I was on um, Kazingram 
actually this past weekend um the the episode will come out a little bit later but we were sort of talking about antitrust sure. shout out to ij shout out to ij and amos such a good dude yeah man. amos you guys too, subscribe bro. amos too yeah amos, yeah shout out to amos too yeah those are good guys yeah yeah so i was on with both of them uh we'll we'll make sure to you know share it on our our social media kazingaram dialogue um yeah video podcast so check it out anyways but we were talking you know and and the point i'm about to make i we hashed through a little bit more um so that's why i bring it up but in general Antitrust laws are based on the idea of preventing monopolies. Now, on the episode, I made the point that I think it's a false premise because the only monopolies we truly see in the last 200 years, i.e. since we've had property rights, are government created. Or if you're sort of looking at things like Google and, and different, you know, today, that we would call that monopolistic not a monopoly. A monopoly means that there's an absence of competition. I mean, Darnell, you just listed, there are two other big comp competitors, which would mean that there still exists competition. Um, and I don't want to speak to, um, like on, on that, you know, on the show with Kazinga Graham Dialogue, I spoke to a little bit of how competition would play itself out. Uh, based on the nature of this industry, I don't really want to do that because yeah, I don't want to think about how the, the different vendors would compete. And, and But the point that I really made is, you know, think about the idea of, you know, big companies that were leading never seemed to hold on no matter how big they were. I, the example I gave on that episode, on, and I'll say here's MySpace, right? Um, you know, a lot of people would say Facebook or Google is that today, but five years from now, are we going to be looking at Facebook and saying, well, it's kind of like MySpace? And and the good example of that is none of the kids are on Facebook, right? All the kids think it's, it's uh, for their aunts people. and uncles and old people. Yeah. Right. Um, and so the point with regards to antitrust laws, um, I, I would argue that, um, that antitrust laws are solving, generally speaking, they're solving government created problems with more government. And the reason I say government created problems is, if you look at a scenario where you find small number of players in the industry, how much of that is due to the barriers in the in industry that usually can be traced back to regulation, to government sort of mandating how it's supposed to happen. Perfect example being Canada with telecom. You know, we have like almost no, no competition here and hence why we pay more the highest prices of everyone. But the ability to enter the market is excessively difficult due to the government's involvement. See, or the U.S. equivalent would be FCC for our U.S. Yeah, no, no, and and I would add that you know antitrust laws are made to stop monopolies, but uh, MindGeek is not a monopoly because there's other competition from X Hamster and um, X Video next videos so it's not it's not really well that, that much of a powerhouse to say that it's this unstoppable monster that can't be stopped now but the, the, what, the reason why i wanted to make sure that's clear because like even just for the listeners um that's just like a a, a, a definition that you guys should be aware of of what an antitrust law is and how it works and what is a monopoly um, yeah, I would just say the counter argument that someone would claim towards what you just said would be that we're trying to prevent it from becoming a monopoly. So it's sort of assuming the trajectory is a monopoly. And that's why I said, you know, the, I consider the, the 
the problem with antitrust laws is this false premise that monopolies naturally occur in the market. Um, so I, I agree with you, you totally, totally, but I just wanted to make sure, sure sort of yeah, what of course, would be the of course, response. Of course, yeah, because I think that I think I think that's important that that um, that a monopoly will be able to um, exist on its own and there won't be any competition, but there is competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah, what, what's, what's funny, funny, I think, if you really want to talk about sort of an oligopoly that's a player what's in a, this, What's an oligopoly? So oligopoly is the idea of a small handful of players, right? Um, working together. Working, working together. a lot of times, well, then you'd end up with the idea of a cartel. Cartel. Um, and, and from the economic models, which are over, overly simplistic, but, but they're, they're, they're useful. Um, generally, when you have a cartel, it's so, you know, the example that most people would understand would be OPEC. OPEC's a cartel. They agree to limit the supply of so oil. It's OPEC. Oil, uh, the oil sort of conglomerate or agreement, international agreements. Um, they agree to limit the supply of oil in order to kind of manipulate the price. Um, any one player in the cartel would be at an advantage to cheat. So to overproduce, you're going to make excess profits. So the the economic models sort of show that even oligopolies when you have these like small cartels like the oil, like the oil scenario um the cooperation between them does break down because everybody has an incentive to to cheat the system mm-hmm. um, yeah and uh, you know and, and and this will will have significance as we go on to, to the, the next aspect and looking at it in the canadian context so well, i was going to say just to reiterate the and and i think i'll come back to it later um the oligopoly here is to some extent is the credit card industry the payment processing industry is so highly regulated so you know the players in the industry don't face competition because government really prevents you know it's really hard for someone to become a new banking institution or a new payment processor because there's it's such a deeply regulated industry Um, and so when visa mastercard I think Discover Card was the other one, basically say, hey, we're cutting off your payment services. You know, this company is like, well, we don't have any other option. We have to follow. And and I'm not saying that I didn't want them to make the decision they made, which was deleting what sounds to be 10 million videos of, you know, you know potentially um, yeah, horrible videos. Yeah, it's it's just be aware that there's there's multiple layers to this uh, let's say monopoly or, or oligopoly part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, and so what we'll see is it, it play out in the form of, uh, in the Canadian context. And so we see that, uh, nominally based in Luxembourg for ta- tax reasons, mind geek is a private company f- run from Montreal. So it does not disclose, uh, who owns it, but it is led by F- Ferris Anton Antoon, and David Tassilio, both Canadians who declined to be interviewed. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of Canada calls himself a feminist and has been and has been proud of his government's efforts to empower women worldwide. So a question for Trudeau and all Canadians, why does Canada host a company that inflicts rape videos on the world? So obviously this is a inflammatory or a loaded question. Um, you know, from a logical perspective, arguably it's not a fair question. You know, if I was to reword this, the question would be, is it, you know, is this something Canadians should be concerned about? Is, is, you know, um, 
Well, well, uh, well. I, I sorry. I interpreted it as him saying, "Well, why doesn't the king of the country, quote unquote, stop um, this 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 monster?" So my my first inclination is to go back to our episode on nimbyism because that's the same question. Not in my backyard, right? Like we're it's and we're addressing it in a much different fashion or in a different <laughs> way. That's good. That's good. Right. That like, but we're sort of saying, well, I think because we have this geographical association that I somehow, you know, me as a Canadian, what gives me the right to tell this company how to use its property? Right. So I'm flipping the question around. Like, why do we as Canadians have, no, again, let's assume now let's assume we've, you know, the, the rape videos and all that stuff's gone, you know, what if Canadians thought this company itself, the remaining 3 million videos, although nothing illegal, you know, still pornographic, let's say as a culture, we deemed that it was um, inappropriate. You know, how, what is the appropriate, well, as as Canadians, um, what is the appropriate response? And And I'm sort of trying to demonstrate that there has to be a balance between just simply telling them, oh, this is what you're required to do with your assets, right? Because property you know as a property rights proponent um i i see sort of the you know the counter arguments we gave with nimbyism potentially not, not in my backyard yeah not in my backyard so, yeah, we were yeah. talking about uh a number of things um so yeah it, it just to me the the question as i said it seems a little bit inflammatory a little bit loaded because he's sort of trying to ask it in the worst possible way to to get the response that that he wants which is to say like we shouldn't this should never have been allowed they should have been shut down earlier right right with yeah with 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 the rape and the child porn uh and the way how i look at this question is that even if trudeau wanted to do something i don't think he can because just because you can't stop you can't stop um the word is uh the the sexual urge, it's kind of like water, right? You know, you have water damage. If water's leaking anywhere, it's going it's going to go to all over the places. So it's kind of like if if you if you squash um, or crush uh, the porn industry online, you know, I don't even want to think about what black market in which ways it'll manifest itself, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, the sex is not going to stop people's hunger for. Um, sexual entertainment it's as old as humanity yeah yeah right so that that isn't something that you're gonna say okay we're gonna shut down this office um because for you know and we you know everybody knows this like technically you know people make porn from the comfort of their home Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people make YouTube videos from the comfort of their home. They yeah. can make any yeah, kind of video yeah, yeah. from the comfort you, you of their home these days, you right? Yeah, like, and anybody can do it. You don't need a camera and good lighting. No, right? Selfie. You need, you need an iPhone six, you know, <laughs> or less, and yeah, and then you can upload it, and it is what it is. Um, yeah, like uh, belief in fatherhood, right? Like he basically started his YouTube channel with old iPhones that he just like you know, repurposed, right? So, I mean, it, obviously, much different. But, but at the end of the day, medium, you know, today's quality cameras can do almost anything, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think that um, that's putting too much hope in government. Yeah. Now, I, I, I would say that, you know, based on 
let's say, um, child pornography laws that we have in this country, there could be an argument. And this is where I would think, again, less inflammatory question, but appropriate question is, is there not something that the government should have been doing? Whether like, now, you know, I'm assuming are the, like it says the company is nominally based in Luxembourg for tax reasons, but it's private company. It's a, is a private company run for Montreal. So let's assume it's servers are in Montreal, which means that this child pornography is on Canadian soil, right? How would we treat Joe Schmo who has child pornography on his computer? Right? So why does this company have a different standard arguably? Right. So this is where I was saying the question he's asking is inflammatory, sort of speaks of nimbyism, as opposed to what is the legality of hosting technically illegal pornography in Canada on Canadian soil? I don't know the answer, um, but I would assume if they really wanted to, they could have targeted them. Now, the political capital to pull that off. Whereas, you know, this guy's, maybe they could have done it after this guy's article came out after exposing, you know, there was an expose against them, but the credit card companies moved much quicker and did the, you know, did it for us or did it for the Canadian government. Um, but, you know, the I would still ask the question, is there legal ramifications? Because, you know, they profited off of this, which then means they've incentivized further human trafficking and, and you know, yeah um, things like this. Right. But, and, and I think, Part of the issue isn't porn, like he said, like the author said. It's not, the issue is not porn; it's rape, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's violating rape. of other people, right? And so, you know, we got we, we got to get down to the nitty gritty of of rape, um, and in regards to how they have attempted, and 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 Pornhub has MindGeek has attempted to. Um, to filter out these things and they have attempted to make changes. Like you said, they, they've tried to take things down. No, I mean, off. obviously the, the verified user approach, I think what that does is that means that, yeah, well, well actually I'm about to get there to the okay. solution. Yeah. So, so let's just talk about the solutions that, that they, that they're offering right now and, and see how it relates to uh, Trudeau uh, trying to stop um, if he can stop um, mind geek and, and sorry, and sorry and for the listeners, like I, I said before, in point two about antitrust laws and, and monopolies. But my argument was just that if Trudeau were to stop MindGeek, they're still competitors. Um, yeah, they're still competitors. They're still X hamster. They're still X videos. There's still um, other outlets that are still going to um, thrive. Um, and the problem is still going to be there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would I was, assume these other two websites have some prevalence of this type of content yeah, and actually i actually um in the article it says actually well some of the stuff is is a, is a lot more depraved it's worse oh. but but let me just get to, to the solutions that, that are being offered so then he says and call me prude but i don't see why search engines banks or credit card companies should bolster a company that monetizes sexual assaults on children or unconscious women if paypal can suspend corporation with cooperation with Pornhub, so can American Express, MasterCard, and Visa. I don't see any neat solution, but aside from limiting immunity so that companies are incentivized to behave better, here are three steps that would help. Allow only verified users to post videos. Prohibit 
downloads, increase moderation, and these measures won't kill porn to or much bother consumers of it. Uh, YouTube thrives without downloads. And um, for point three, where he talks about increased um, um, moderation, um, it's talking about uh, people who are moder basically they they moderate or monitor uh, the content on these websites. So, for example, um, and it says here in the article that Pornhub employs about let me see here okay so it says here while Pornhub would not tell me how many moderators it employs I interviewed one who said that there are about 80 worldwide who work on MindGeek sites by comparison Facebook told me it has 15,000 moderators so with 1.36 million new hours of video uploaded a year to Pornhub that means that each moderator would have to review hundreds of hours of content each week. The moderators fast forward through videos, but it's often difficult to assess whether a person is 14 or 18 or whether torture is real or fake. Most of the underage content involves teenagers. The moderator I spoke with said, but some come, but some comes from spy cams in toilets or changing rooms and shows children only 8 to 12. Uh, this is what one of the moderators said. The job in itself is soul destroying. Yeah, I was going to, I was thinking about that. Like, man, imagine, like if I, I would not want that job, I would not take that job, right? Like, I mean, you'd have to be desensitized. You would become you desensitized. You would be desensitized. Like, but but the other side of it that I was gonna say is, there's also, um, like, think about the users, right? How many people on Facebook, as a percentage, are willing to complain when someone pro posts something inappropriate? What like, forget sexually inappropriate, just inappropriate. You know, foul language. Like things get flagged all the time. How often do you think things get flagged on a porn site? Uh, well, like, you know, my, my point is that the, the, the content that the user is willing to accept is that is, is probably, you know, one, I'm, I'm, I don't know anything, but like, do you have to be a registered user to flag content? Right. Do you like, what are the requirements to flag content? And most of, I'm assuming most users are just sort of like willing to, well, that was weird. Yeah. Like, and. So, well, but here's the pushback and the unintended consequences. Uh, another ec economic term we, we need to. So, know, I, what I was sorry, just with. before you, do, I was trying to demonstrate the incentive. There's a lack of incentive for for Pornhub to hire more people because there's no complaints from the users. Whereas Facebook has an incentive to hire more moderators to lower the number of complaints because that's going to improve the user experience. If if Pornhub was having a significant number of complaints. I would assume it's going to drive its moderators up in order to reduce complaints. Yeah, but but since then, since then, they um, Pornhub's been trying to clean up its act, um, and and they've been more forthcoming with reporting things. Mm -hmm. um, so they have been cleaning it up. So don't want to mis, mis, misrepresent um, them. 
but they are trying to um, clean it up. But there was some unintended consequences because it sounded like a good idea for Visa and MasterCard to, you know, uh, cancel the transactions being done on the site. But what happened was that, and there was, this is an article from vice.com, so it'll be in the show notes. And it's sex workers, what Visa and MasterCard dropping Pornhub means for performers. And so the article was talking about sex workers and activists say that this is a dangerous discriminatory decision one fueled by anti-porn campaigners and conservative activist groups who want sex work abolished in a statement published um friday sex workers outreach project behind bars wrote that the decision will force more sex workers into the margins calling it a war on sex workers and it says we say war against sex workers because the damage they do does not impact the labor but labor as much as it affects the laborers who depend on Pornhub's platform to earn a living it wrote violence against sex workers includes the social and institutional violence that has led to the shutting the shuttering of our online platforms that give us a measure of safety and allow us the critical resource that is the ability to access banking. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and this is sort of why I was talking about the monopoly on, on payment processing, right? Um, because now they, they have a crazy amount of power. And, mm-hmm. and but, hold on, but what about PayPal? So, Just, yeah, because I don't think, pay, I think PayPal still allows these things to, to happen. Um, and also there's also, uh, well, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, and, and I, my, my point was just that like, you know, the, as, as this article sort of laying out that there are, you know, it's not easy to replace that payment processing. Um, and, and, and that's what I just wanted to bring up, you know, we, we were talking about one potential monopoly, but, but this is, you know, the same type of concerns of monopolistic behavior is what Visa and MasterCard and, and discover you know credit card companies can do because they have so much influencer power um that that's simply my point is just let's you know may not forget to look at this in all directions to some extent yeah and and i and i guess part of the what we're looking at is the there's like i guess there's like uh um an alt, alternate victim um and, and that's the sex workers because the article goes on to say much of the content on Pornhub is free to view but for many performers Pornhub was a stable revenue stream. The platform's verified amateur program, as well as the clip selling service, Model Hub, and ad revenue made on video uploads make up a, a constellation of ways um, performers can make money on Pornhub. So Christoph's inability to see a neat solution erases the fact that many people rely on tube sites like Pornhub uh, for their livelihoods. Even though these sites are incredibly flawed, it's not prudish to suggest child exploitation should stop. And it's will, willful, willfully ignorant to suggest that it would be. Everyone agrees that on that, including Pornhub. Suggesting all payments on the site should be dropped is, however, callous and myopic. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, the sex worker conversation is, is a difficult one um, in general, you know, because if we look at something like prostitution as the, the legacy of, of sex work, um, you know, 
in that industry, you know, one of the biggest problems was the sex worker was, you know, property, right? Like you had the pimp who took all their money, right? But offered protection, right? And so this is where, you know, there's different things. I remember years ago, um, so Canada changed its, its prostitution laws in a way that um, was was sort of better in the sense that like, you know, you stopped, it, it made it illegal to, per, so the, the Canadian change was in 2014 by the conservative government, made it illegal to purchase or advertise sexual services and illegal to live on the material benefits of sex work. Um, although it is legal to sell sexual services in some cases, is illegal to solicit in public areas. So that's sort of the Canadian context. Um, there's a documentary called Red Light, Green Light that was come that came out um, around the time that the Canadian law was changing. And they were promoting sort of the Nordic model because so many girls in the industry would be victims. Well, you're essentially criminalizing a victim for coming forward. Right. So you're in the sex industry, you're being ex- trafficked or exploited. Well, you have to admit to doing something illegal in order to get help. Um, and so the Nordic model essentially punishes the purchase or the sex buyer as opposed to the provider. And it would also punish the pimp for, for exploiting the individual. So um, while it made prostitution illegal, the actual people getting charged wasn't was was essentially those who um, were least likely to be the victim. Um, and so I just bring that up to say, you know, if we look at prostitution and now we've migrated to this online digital form where arguably, you know, the girls can be, or I shouldn't just say girls, but, but the, you know, the individual who's providing services is arguably a lot safer, right? Because they're, you know, it's not like the person that's could could rape them, you know, through the although, camera. Although, although the rape is happening, and, and even with with the moderators, but I mean, the violation of their rights—it's it's voluntary, right? Okay, like, yeah, yeah, right? right. That's sort of what I was trying to get at. That, like, you know, now I mean, the libertarian side of me says, okay, I might think this is immoral, but the question of should it be illegal, should it be punished, should we, you know, from a a, a cultural perspective, how do we find the balance between? Um, you know, trying to cultivate the society that we think is the best and not enforcing that on other people. Well, yeah. And, and kind of like what you talk about in regards to property rights um, and people's property being themselves as their first property being violated um, in the sense of a rape. And, and one of the questions I had in my mind when I was thinking about, it, I was like, yeah, well, how do you, how do you like, cause especially for some people who, who, who want to watch rape um acted out acted out versus actually being done and so for the moderators who are watching it they're kind of like okay well how do i know what i'm watching is acting or is it real um and and the article answers that in the sense that um like some guys will go to the extreme and they will like show the woke girl passed out and they'll be able to lift up the eyelids and poke her eyes to, to see prove that, to prove that she's um, out before before they do the rape um, or whatever the case may be. And so some there's instances that are obvious. And like the guy said, he sometimes he can't tell. You can't. He's not sure if it's a person's underage or overage, and that makes policing it um, a lot harder 
in in coming to that and and it's just there's just a whole bunch of mess because it's not it's not just the rapes but there's just like other crazy things that happen online um that shouldn't be online as well uh and so when you look at the sex worker one of the sex workers was arguing um i'm not gonna say the person's name (laughs) the entertainer um but they say um sex workers are often the most vocal uh constructive critics of the platforms they use and many have been trying to get pornhub to change its unverified upload um, policies for years six months ago adult person's name started a petition uh, specifically to ask Pornhub to change its upload policies to make them safer. No one wants sexual abuse imagery to pol- proliferate on their internet, on the internet, uh, let alone on the site they use every day for income. But Pornhub's policy shift seems to have come too late. So, so to answer your question, like, yeah, there are people on on these sites that don't want that kind of material on it because it just ruins. You know, it ruins their income, but with with visa withdrawing, it hurts. It hurts um, the workers as well, um, the people who are doing it uh, legitimately. Yeah. yeah. And, so what do you do? Yeah, yeah. That, and and that's you know a, a tough question, right? Because you know it's sort of the the sweatshop conversation to some extent, right? We think sweatshops are immoral, um, and so you know we we try to boycott that company. But we don't, turns out that sector uh, that sweatshop workers are the top fifty percent income earners in those countries, and so when the sweatshop shuts down, those people end up doing worse work. Mm-hmm. Um, unintended so consequences. The unintended consequence, right? So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's. I think it's a good, you know, that we highlight this because it demonstrates that, you know, there's no easy solution. I mean, the the solution from a Christian perspective is reforming culture. Right, like, yeah, sure. We want to get rid of the 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 you know rape and and you know videos of people being violated. Right, the uh, smut videos, as they used to be called, I think is the I think that's what the term refers to. Right, that sure. I think everybody can agree that that removing that is appropriate. Um, but the unintended consequences of how that happened with payment processors being shut, you know, shutting down the services. Um, we, you know, it's easy for outsiders to go, well, this is clearly all good, right? There's no, there's no unintended consequence because I just deem all this activity to be immoral. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you, and you know, the company is trying cause it is a business, right? So it has doubled the, the number of moderators in the last couple of years. And one of the <laughs> moderators 40 to 80. <laughs> <laughs> or 160, I guess. I don't know. Uh, the moderator told him, uh, the author of the article said, uh, the moderator told him, uh, this year, uh, Pornhub began voluntarily reporting illegal material to the national center for missing and exploited children after previously dragging its feet it in removing videos of children and non-consensual content. Pornhub now is, uh, responding more rapidly. It has also compiled a list of banned content. I obtained a copy of this list and it purports to bar videos with terms or themes like rape, preteen, pedophilia, and bestiality. It helpfully clarifies that this includes eels, fish, octopus, 
and insects. (laughs) But it also (laughs) talks about diapers are okay if, and then this is in quotes, if no scatophilia, mutilation depends on context but cannot depict severing parts of the body. Uh, What's scatophilia? I don't even want to know. I don't want to Google it. <laughs> you don't want to Google it. I, I'm assuming um, the diaper scenario issue is that like some adults wear diapers and there's co- lots of context where diapers could be. Yo, man. Yo, some people are straight up freaks, man. Like, I, you know, man, and, th- and this is, you know, it, it, you know, this is crazy. And it, it goes back to my first point. It goes back to my first point. Um, um, out of context sex and and the the sinful nature of man it it is progressive it only gets worse um and so you know sometimes yeah yeah so yeah so sometimes you know you know we're we're we're, you know people are sitting here listening and they're probably like what the what what the heck is going on in the world but yeah there's some there's some people that get into some really freaky stuff you know and and again that's sin um progressing and um what it talks about in genesis chapter five or six where um, the heart of man is 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 continually on sin and man is creative in in their sin um so let me ask you this joel what's your two cents wow um you know this this is such a convoluted complex scenario right like on the on the first hand you know, it's easy for me to be like, I agree with this. These are morally things that I, sorry, these are things I'm morally opposed to. Um, if I can avoid my kids ever being exposed to porn, you know, I will, right? Like, so in that sense, there's an aspect where I want this industry, you know, I don't want it to be a temptation for me. I don't want it to be a hindrance to my children. I don't want it to be, you know, a hindrance to the men around me, to the people around me. Right. So in that sense, there's an aspect where it's easy for me to go. I agree with these actions on a moral point. Um, But the question of what I think is morally appropriate and in regards to liberty. Well, even, yeah, liberty is sort of where I'm, you know, there's, and not just liberty, but like morally, am I, you know, from a biblical standpoint, am I called to impose my morality on other people? Um, I I would argue I'm called to call them to morality. I'm not called to um, box them into a place where they can only live under what I determine is the appropriate morality. That's the only place that applies is those that are under my responsibility, right? So my kids, when they're not old enough to make the decisions for themselves, sure, I put them in a box that, that prevents them from harming themselves. But from a biblical standpoint, um, you know, I think even historically when we were, you know, when Christians were in control of the law, in control of government, maybe we too easily uh, were willing to um, enforce the morality we deemed the right morality. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the point I'm trying to get at is that it, um, I, I definitely have a level of, of conf- internal conflict with this issue because I agree with the liberty aspect. Well, the, the, the consequences from a moral point, but I have concerns with the liberty perspective that, you know, are we setting the stage, right? I mean, 
not to go down the road, but like think about what's happened with Trump recently with getting censored off social media, right? Do I want people who I morally opposed to to be cut off from payment services, from financial services, from right? So you're, so you're saying it's like a slippery slope? Yeah, like that's where I see the issue of like where is the balance between, um, you know, okay, let's argue that they've done what they need to do. They purged all this content. Um, is there, and again, I know the industry is sort of complicated in this sense, but is there a road to redemption or Visa and MasterCard be like, nope, you're done. And now, you know, to your point, the slippery soap of, you know, oh, well, this person in power disagrees with the Amish. Therefore, you know, we're just going to take their land. Like, you know, again, it's, it's sort of the difficulty of balance would you say it's yeah, a balance? yeah there's a balance between you know uh, yeah sure i don't want to do business with people i'm morally opposed to right. right i always say like vote with your dollar right but by the reason i brought up the monopolistic side or, or the oligopoly side with payment processors because they're so highly government regulated there's so the, there's a limit there's a barrier to entry now things like i mean on our 2020 new year's episode or no our 2019 new year's episode we talked about bitcoin as as being one of the big things for the next 20 years or sorry the next decade first five or sorry it was first five last five next five or something mm-hmm. top five next five i can't remember what we t- called it but bitcoin was one of those things because that's actually arguably that concept of digital trend or, or crypto transactions cryptocurrencies will break some of this cartel or or financial um oligopoly that that is existent so i don't know it's it's interesting um you know arguably this would create space for for cryptocurrencies to to move in and say okay here's how we can help you because mm-hmm. i mean at the end of the day it's a digital platform or an online platform that nobody really has control of and to get, you can't really gatekeep the way Visa and MasterCard can gatekeep. So I don't know that that's sort of a, I know I didn't bring it up in the episode till now, but it was sort of something that I, that was on my mind that I wonder if, you know, cryptocurrencies become a means um, to, to, to solve some of this uh, problem because it allows people who are voluntarily willing to exchange with each other, not have to have some third party gatekeep them. Um, so what about you? What's your, what's your two cents? Well, I would say that, like I said before, in the start of the show that, you know, pornography is out of context sex. Right. So I'll say again, pornography is out of context sex. That's why we started with the uh, definition in the start. Uh, And I'm standing by the biblical definition. So. So, look, today you can't tell people how to raise their kids. Right. But I'm going to tell you how to raise them anyways. <laughs> right. So I'm a big believer that social change starts in the home. So pornography is an untamable beast. It'll devour you and especially your kids. So porn is a drug that rewires the chemical balance of dopamine in your brain. So think about how you struggle as a grown man or, or woman. And now think about what that does to a young person's developing brain. You can't save the men raping girls um, and women or the boys passing around the pictures of of, uh, naked girls in their class, but you can save your son. 
You can't save these women and girls on these sites, but you can save your baby girl. So, so take away their phone until they can pay the bill, right? They won't die, right? You didn't, right? So limit the screen time. Teach them how to use the phone responsibly. And finally, last but not least, teach them about sex in context by reading God's text. Um, yeah, so for, for, for the listener, you know, give us your two cents. Um, you know, hit us up on, on social media, um, Facebook, Twitter, for now, before we get censored. I'm uh, <laughs> uh, is if there's anything that we missed because i feel like there were some things that were that just um were missed and that could have um been un- unpacked further so please uh hit us up let us know uh if you enjoyed the show if you enjoy the content for you new listeners subscribe share share you know give comment, us a review give us a review on itunes because it helps to uh, promote the show whatever whatever platform you're listening on um, hey, even if you want to start um, a new account on another platform and listen to another <laughs> one and, and put a review up, please, please, we would greatly appreciate that. If you're trying to get in contact with me, it's Darnell Samuels on Facebook. Uh, do go to Darnell on Twitter and Instagram. So that's spelled D-O-G-U-D-D-A underscore Darnell. And I'm uh, T Joel and 39 everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. In our Gmail, six cents report at gmail.com. Um, yeah, give it like you know, this is a I, heavy, I'm definitely interested in what the heavy listeners, episode. Yeah, I'm interested in what the listeners have to say. I mean, maybe you think we dropped the ball on an aspect, maybe we didn't talk about an aspect of this, or or maybe you uh, appreciate how we addressed it. So give us your two cents. Six cents makes change. But you heard me, does that make sense? I hear